And I think, folks, it's great to, you know, it's good to see Richard back after the challenges he's had. So big hand for Rich. It's a great to be able to, as I say with Rich, for us to do this together. So it's my pleasure and privilege to take on the second week of our series, Empowered Living the Journey of Grace. And Mark did a fantastic job last night to introduce the series to us. And he picked up two key points that I just want to just bring to your remembrance. Obviously, if you weren't here, as I always ask, where were you? Otherwise, you can pick up on the podcast, but just two key points here. One of them that he talked about the grace that we need to be saved. And this is what we call grace that is salvation grace or redemptive grace. The fact that you and I could do nothing to promote ourselves to God. That without his unmerited favor, we would not have come to a knowledge of the truth about Jesus. That we know well, and if you come from the evangelical community, we've preached much on God's unmerited favor, his grace and goodness towards us. But also, Mark introduced this idea that God meets our need, through grace meets our need to be empowered. Now, the idea here is that, and actually, I originally heard this idea, Bob and Marjorie Crane, way back in the 90s, they talked about God's grace as the empowering presence of God, the empowering presence of Jesus to be and to do what God has called us to be and to do. The empowering presence of Jesus to be and do what God has called us to be and to do. So the focus of this series is really looking at how that grace can empower us to be and to do what God has called us to be and to do. And the anchor text for this is Titus 2, 11 to 12, which Mark talked about last week. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And there you, you see from the scriptures, you've got two parts there. You've got the, what we call the redemptive salvation side and then the living outside. And we're talking about the grace that empowers us to live a self-controlled, upright and godly life. Today's, uh, as it were, title would be called Obstacles to Grace's Journey. Or put it another way, we're going to consider what stops us experiencing the empowering presence of Jesus in our lives so that we can do all that God has called us to be and to do and thus live empowered lives. Have you ever felt underpowered? Have you ever felt in terms of living a a victorious or effective Christian life? (laughs) A couple of years ago, I, I bought a new car. It wasn't a brand new car. But it was the car that I'd wanted, you know. I'm not saying the model, but, you know, it had champagne leather seats. You know, it was automatic, you know. It looked good. It had alloy wheels. And the car was lovely. You know, it had veneer wood. Hmm. (laughs) But the thing was this, that when I was driving in the car now, going uphill, and all of a sudden I see all these cars passing me, Fiesta. The car was underpowered. So 
I thought to myself, well, there must be something wrong. Maybe it's because the car is heavy. <laughs> you know, it's a heavy car. Then I talked to Chris, as you know, the bit of a petrol head, and he said, maybe it's the, the, the jets inside, you know, injector jets. So we put some stuff in. It was a little improvement, but it still wasn't good. So this is almost two years. So the other day, the car started to make a kind of and I'm thinking, well, there's not a snake in there, and there's definitely not tyres. There must be a problem. So I took it to my local garage, and they said to me, well, we think it's something to do with a catalytic converter. And what needs to happen, it needs to be, um, the stuff that they put in there needs to be taken out and needs to be remapped. And I thought, you don't know what's wrong, do you? Anyway, I happened to talk to Louis, Louis Maycock, whose dad has a garage around the corner, and I'm praying over this. I'm saying, Lord, you know, there's something wrong here. So anyway, I dropped the car in a couple of weeks ago, and a nice guy from Lithuania came out, and he said, okay, sir, I will look at the car, no problem, you know. So anyway, I'm in the office, he rings up, he says, look, I found the problem. It's the diesel particulate filter, it's blocked. I've changed it, you have a new car. Anyway, I walk round, you know, to get the car. He says, try it, you will see. I get in the car. I'm thinking, oh, mercy, I've got a new car now. It's like, you know that old advert, you know, you've got a tiger in your tank. Well, I've got two now. That car goes. You know, you put my foot down. You know, it really moves. You see, because the particulate filter was blocked, the car was underpowered, and I thought that's the way it is. And you know, for instance, I thought there has to be a sermon point in this. Many of us, we've got our DPF filters blocked. We're living underpowered lives. You know, the, the, the filter's there to get rid of the soot. The trouble is, it hasn't been unblocked. And you know what? The empowering presence of Jesus is there so that we can live at the level that God intended us to live at. Instead of looking regal as our car is going backwards uphill, you can, yeah, that's what I do. You know, and now, boom, boom, gone. Yeah, God wants us to be fully empowered. So, I'm going to look at some obstacles that we, to us experiencing the empowering presence of Jesus. Okay, so here's the first one. We may have failed to realize that God's plan is for us to live an empowered life. You see, if you get used to that kind of low-level, underpowered type living, then you think that's the norm. But God has so much more. Okay, come with me now. John 10, 10. And I'll wait a few minutes, so if you have your Bible, you can look for it. Otherwise, it will come up on the screen. The thief, that's Satan, comes only to what? Steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Friends, you need to understand this, that Satan's plan is by any means possible to mar the image of God in you so that we never reach our full potential, which brings ultimately glory to God. You see, what you need to understand is that when we begin to operate God the way God intends us to operate, this brings glory to God. I could unpack that, but we haven't got time. We're not in eternity yet. Some of you got that. You see, when we become accustomed to feeling underpowered, is that's when we begin to believe that all we need to do in the Christian life, if you're a follower of Jesus, is just hang on and wait for the end, and then we're going to get to heaven. 
But God has so much more for us to do. So let's look at some of the, the antidote to some of the lies that we kind of live under. Because we need to know the truth. I'm going to cover five or six scriptures here that you need to memorize, that you need to get into your heart. You need to inculcate it into your being. So when you have lies coming at you, you're able to use these scriptures to, as an antidote to the lies. John 1.12, we are born of God. You see, <laughs> okay, let me read it, then I'm going to unpack it. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the authority to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but what? Born of God. See, friends, you've been, if you're a follower of Jesus this afternoon, you're born of God. And people say, oh, where are you from? Well, my good friend Dennis Clark used to say, it's not where he's from, it's where he's going. That's more important, right? <laughs> but the reality is that, you know, I was saying in the other service that, you know, we're talking about immigration and where people come from and, and all this kind of stuff. But let me tell you this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're from a different place anyway. You're from God. And I don't live out of my ethnicity. I can, of course, I'm Jamaican, but that's not where I live from. I live from the fact that I'm born, that I'm born of God. All right, let me see if we can hammer it home a little more. Sometimes, you know, you feel when you get up in the morning underpowered and you feel overwhelmed. You have to face the day. You, you think, oh, I just can't face it. Now, let's look what the scriptures say here. Greater is he who is within us than in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God. I'd love to just stop there. Where are we from? Thank you. We're from God. You're not from this place. You're from God. Think of the import of that, that you are from God. And have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You see, the lie is, is this, that whatever's going on in your life, you don't have the capacity to deal with it. Yes, we know that, but the, lie, the truth is that because you are a child of God, God has put his capacity in you to overcome whatever it is. Many of us live under lies. I think in my own life. Some lies are more subtle than others. In my own journey, for many years, subconsciously, I thought that my mum didn't want me. It was subconscious rather than conscious. But as God began, as God began to minister into my life, he showed me that lie. That lie had major implications for the way I was living my life out. The need to be affirmed. Then one day God showed me the lie that I was actually wanted. And I could, that I actually, God had a plan for me and it changed my life. See, some of you are living under things, lies, that you were an accident, all of this kind of stuff that stops you from entering into what God has for you and what it does, it blocks up the grace of God operating in your life. So what you tend to do is you live your life looking at in the reverse mirror. You drive the car, you're looking in the reverse mirror. So whatever determines the future is always in the past. 
God's plan is for him, for you to, as it were, get rid of the lies, confess them, and then begin to live in the truth of who you are and what he has made you. All right. He has a good work prepared in advance that we should do. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork. I love that. The fact that when God saw Dave, he didn't just think, well, right, we'll make Dave. He, he, Dave was fashioned by God. He was created by God and fashioned, and he had a specific purpose for David that no one else could fulfill. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance. I love that. You weren't an afterthought. You weren't an accident. He, 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 he prepared it beforehand. So, when you are tempted to think that, that you have no purpose in life, that I am what I am, I deserve what comes upon me, these are lies. You're in a relationship, and in that relationship, there's violence and all kind of wickedness going on, and one partner thinks, well, I'll bring it on myself. It's a lie. Because God has a good work for you prepared beforehand. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me give you the background. What has happened to Judah is the unthinkable. The children of Israel worshipped at the temple. They felt that, not, that God would never allow any army to come and destroy it, but it happened. 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar came along and destroyed the temple. The unthinkable happened. And they were taken off into exile in Babylon. You need to understand that this is, this is despair. Because this wasn't what they expected. They thought that even if they were bad, God would still protect them. But this is what Jeremiah says to them at their lowest point. Because once that happened, the whole dynasty of the southern kingdom had finished. Israel had gone. But this is what God says through Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And what you need to understand is whatever your situation is at this moment, you may be in the deepest of despair, you may have financial challenges, relational challenges, spiritual challenges, but look, let me tell you something. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Not for calamity but to give you a future and a hope. And he said that to Israel or to Judah at the time when they were in the depths of despair, and you need to hear that now. Don't judge God by what's going on in your circumstances. It ain't over yet. You see, what I'm presenting to you is the truth to counter the lies that I'm an accident. No, I'm born of God. I've been born from above. I've been anointed. I've been appointed 
and I've been set apart unto good works prepared beforehand that God in his wisdom will indeed by the power of his spirit and through the power of the cross begin to strengthen me so that day by day I begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and his empowering presence will help me to be and do all that he's called me to be and to do and on that final day I'll stand before him without spot or wrinkle because of what Jesus did. Amen? Yeah. Am I preaching this morning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Get back into character now. <laughs> yes. You see, John put it like this. He said this in John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth. Now, you see, friends, he's not talking about truth of the Bible. He's talking about the truth of who you are. See, I was an evangelical, so I thought that that meant I would have more knowledge of the Bible because the Holy Spirit will teach me the truth. No, the Holy Spirit is there to teach you the truth about who you are and to uncover the lies that you and I are living under so that we begin to choose to believe what God says about us and not what our hearts say about us or what other people say about us. Which means... We need to make confession to God of those lies that we have inculcated into our lives which has limited God's grace flowing toward us. And of course to each other. You see, we want to choose to believe the truth about who we really are in Christ. That we are, as the psalmist said, Psalm 139, 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, what I would challenge you to do is look in the mirror. Read that out because he's talking about you. For many of us, we don't want to, you know, we find that difficult. That I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And we think about all the things about us are not right. But you see, God fashioned you in the womb, and you are fearfully, and you are wonderfully well made. And here's the point. The scripture says that I know this well. What that means is there's a process where we begin to exchange the, the, the lies for the truth. Listen up. It is this process of confessing the lies and affirming the truth of who we really are that activates the empowering presence in our lives. His grace. It's this process of confessing the lies and affirming the truth of who we really are that activates his empowering presence in our lives. So our hearts begin to feed on the truth of who we are in Christ And the power of those lies begin to be broken as the truth begins to set us free. And it's a process. And next week, Chris is going to talk about some of the things, the disciplines we can build into our lives so this can become a reality. So what else can also be obstacles to receiving his grace? Well, there's guilt, there's shame, there's loneliness. You know, it's, it's interesting. Isaiah, prophet writing 700 years before the birth of Christ, spoke of what Jesus would accomplish on our behalf on the cross at Calvary. And this is what he wrote in Isaiah 53, 3-5. If you have your Bibles, you can, look, you can obviously turn there or you can just see it on the screen. 
He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of sorrow and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was what? Pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. Whatever shame or pain we have experienced, Jesus experienced it also. You know, he was spat on, he was physically abused, he was rejected by his own people, he was stripped naked on the cross. And for the first time in centuries, where he had experienced unbroken fellowship with the Father, that was broken. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus understands loneliness. So we can come to Jesus, of whom the writer to the Hebrews says, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses. I like to think of it that when Jesus goes to God on our behalf, he kind of says, you know my son, you know my daughter, and I've experienced their weakness. So when he's our advocate, he speaks as someone who has experienced our humanity. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Here it is. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we might what? Receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, and that word there, grace, it's his empowering presence so that when you are facing the trial, when you are facing the temptation, when you are feeling overwhelmed, when you are feeling underpowered, as you turn to him and as you allow his word to strengthen your heart, the empowering presence of Jesus is released and you're able to come through in the name of Jesus. Instead of going to some other place to get self-medication and feeling depressed. So how do we receive? Well, we need to humble ourselves. 1 Peter 5, 5. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for what? Why? For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let me unpack this quickly and say this. That, you see, it, if we know that we've been trying to hold our lives together and we've got our survival strategies, we've all got them, and, and, and it's fair to say that we need them just to survive. But what happens is this, you see. Let me change the analogy. The storms of life come upon us, whether you love Jesus or not. Difficulties will come. Challenges will come. Whether it's financial, whether it's relational, it's emotional, whatever. These challenges come. 
It may come via your job. It may come via bereavement. It may come in all different forms, but we all face challenges. Now, what you tend to find is, is if you've been using a survival strategy to get through, when one of those big ones comes, you know what happens? You're busted. You can't handle it. You know, you come to church and up, up until, you know, before you were managing, as we do, you know, keeping it all together. And then this thing comes along and boof, ding, as a good friend of mine says, you're hemorrhaging all over the place, emotionally. <laughs> blood everywhere, right? Metaphorically speaking, right? And it's at this point that God wants to minister his empowering presence. Because up until then, you've been running things. But now he wants to come and empower you so you can get through this. So how... However, how do we get to this? Well, we need to choose to do some things here. First, we said that we need to humble ourselves. We need to confess the lies we've been living under. As I said, you know, I had this lie that I think my mum didn't love me and it didn't want me and it was, it was a lie. The minute it was confessed, the minute I experienced God's mercy and goodness and kindness, then I was released. You may be living under a lie that you deserved it. You're not up to it. You'll never be turned out to be anything. All of those negative things that can come upon us. And some of them we speak into ourselves. So the enemy just says, yeah, I'll believe that. And thus we stay limited. But as the Spirit of God is operating in this congregation this morning, every one of you will know the lies that you are living under. And all you need to do is come and confess them, bring it into the light as he is into the light, and you can be released. And then you can renounce and revoke those lies in the name of Jesus. And you can step into the light and into the authority of who you are in Christ and begin to live free as the truth begins to set you free in the name of Jesus. All right, amen. We need to bring our guilt and our shame and our loneliness to the Father. Look, Jesus has experienced all of these things for us. And by the way, you know, if you come up there, you know, to this, to, for ministry, we are not watching. Hmm, what's this? Oh, yes, we'll take a note. No, we're not interested in that. This is a place where it's safe. We don't, we don't judgmental. We've all got stuff. We bring it to what? To the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On that cross, Colossians 2.13, he says he made an open debt. He says actually that every certificate of debt consisting of decrees against you and me that were hostile to us, Jesus nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed rulers and authorities, he triumphed over them. So when you bring it to the cross, it stays on the cross. But Calvary can only cover that which we uncover. Calvary can only cover that which we uncover. So as we bring it into the light, as we allow it to be nailed to the cross, the blood of Jesus erases and esponges every power and effect of that thing in our lives. And the next point, we affirm the truth of who the Father really says that we are. That you are my beloved Son, David, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved daughter TJ, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. That you have been born not of the will of man of blood, but you've been born of God. That you are from God, 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 God. 
And great is he that is in you, Steve, and is in the world. And as we allow the word and the spirit to affirm who we are and we get rid of the rubbish, so the empowering presence of God is released into our lives that empowers us to stand up and walk in the authority and the liberty and the freedom of who we are in Christ. Band, please, come. You see, we're in a war, you see. And more often or not, it's our minds which is where the enemy attacks us. And he attacks us through the things that have happened to us and the reality is this, that one of the things we have to learn is what, what Jesus did when the enemy came to him in the gospel and said, you know, if you are the son of God, make bread. And he every time used God's word to counter the lie of the evil one. God's plan is for you and I, as we allow his grace to operate in our lives, his empowering presence, so that what happens, we begin to walk into who we really are. And his spirit begins to work in us so that we're not just having grace to cover our bad living, but we're having his grace to empower us for right living that glorifies the Father. You see, Jesus said this, Incredible verse, he says. You remember, he said this verse as a man. He says, I have glorified the Father. Now glorify your Son. I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus lived in the earth as a man. And in every aspect of his life, he glorified the Father and he demonstrated the character of who God is. He showed compassion. He showed mercy. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He set the captives free. Because the empowering presence of Jesus that was, was in him because he was Jesus is that same empowering presence that God wants to release in us so that we begin to step into who we are. Let's stand for the Lord. We're going to pray. And as I pray here, I want, you, you're going to know, in fact, in the last service, one of the ladies said that she had a kind of picture of the Holy Spirit sweeping across the congregation and sweeping up all the lies that we as a people were living under. And maybe, and I know, it's not maybe, there are many of you living under lies. You're not good enough. Some of you living under shame because of what you did on that night, at that time. And you're still beating yourself up. How could I have allowed myself to get into that situation? Or you've been abused physically and you think that it's because of you. It's my fault. I deserve it. These are lies. So I'm going to pray now. And we're going to confess these before the Lord. And then we're going to ask God to empower us so that we walk in the truth of who we are. And we're going to have a ministry time, obviously, at the end. And you can come, because actually making confession 
is a powerful thing. In last service, we're praying for someone and she just made confession of the fact that she didn't feel she was worthy, blah, blah, blah. Once she's spoken it out and we pronounce forgiveness, then we got her to renounce it, the difference. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. We thank you that he was able to demonstrate the heart of the Father toward us. And we thank you for your grace that has brought us to this place that we know you. But Father, we confess before you that we have limited your grace because we have lived under lies. Lies that have limited you blessing our lives. Lies that have limited us from walking into what God has for us. Lies that have kept us from stepping up and stepping into the ministry and calling that's upon our lives. So this morning, Lord, we come to you and we confess that we have depended on our own strategies. We confess that we have been living out some of these lies. And we bring them before you this morning. And we say, Lord, that we are sorry that we have limited you working in our lives. And by the power of your spirit, we want to see the truth of who you have made us as your sons and daughters. And today, in faith, we leave those lies in the past. Receive your forgiveness and we step in to who we are in Christ. Your sons and daughters, not born of the will of man or of blood, but born of God. Anointed and appointed by you before the foundation of the earth for good works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Knowing that the plans that you have for us, Father, are plans for blessing and not for calamity. Thanking you that, Lord, every good promise that you've made to us, you will make good as we depend on your empowering presence to be and do all that you've called us to be and to do.